Hello, and welcome to Trek Companion. This is episode 135. I'm your host, Brian Williams. I am Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. And today we are discussing Star Trek Enterprise's third season, episodes The Shipment, Twilight, and North Star. Here we go. The Shipment, Season 3, Episode 7, Production Number 307, Original Air Date, October 29, 2003, Directed by David Strayton, Written by Chris Black and Brent V. Friedman, Music Composed by Jay Chataway. Guest cast include John Cawthorn Jr. as Greylick Durr, Randy Oglesby as Degra, Stephen Culp as Major Hayes, and John Eddins as Zindi Reptilian. <laughs> At the Zindi Council, Degra reports that the weapon should be ready in a matter of weeks. On Enterprise, the coordinates provided by Tarkin, the man from exile, lead to a planet, and the crew decide to hide the ship while a shuttlecraft manned by Captain Archer, Lieutenant Reed, and Major Hayes approach it. They land and enter a Zindi settlement where they find a great quantity of chemocyte being refined. Captain, this place obviously has something to do with the weapon. It seems to me the sooner we put it out of commission, the better. Two spatial charges. That's all it would take to destroy the complex from orbit. That might set them back for a while. But we can't lose sight of our main objective. I want to know where they're shipping this chemocyte. The shipment. Uh, Mr. Caesar, why don't you kick us off on the shipment? The shipment. Um, I thought it was a good show for this season for the plot that they're trying to tell. Um, you get a lot more about the Zindi kind of culture they are, what happened to their world. Um, so you get a lot about this um, arch that we're, that we're traveling through in this season of Enterprise. So for that reason, I think it's a good episode for the season, pushing the plot forward. Um, I wouldn't say I was completely blown away by it. I kind of thought it drug, drug out here and there. But overall, I thought it was a decent episode. I, I know uh, what you mean by it feels like it's drawn out, and I and – I, I know for me why. Um, it's it's got a cool setup, you know the the start. Other than the fact that it it does feel a little bit does does it feel at all? This isn't what I was going to talk about, but does it feel at all weird that like <laughs> you send three people down on this this uh, secretive like you know sn- um, sneaky re- reconnaissance mission where this massive weapon is being uh, partially constructed, um, and these enemies that you assume want to kill you, the Zindi, because they are building this weapon to destroy your planet. And of the three people that go down on this mission, one of them is the captain. Is that is that weird? <laughs> <laughs> that seemed weird to me. I mean, I know why they do this, but it, it's usually I don't think about it. Usually, oh yeah, he's this the away team. This is Star Trek. That's what they do. Here, it just seemed because you, you 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 even brought along the leader of the the military guys, the Mako guy, you know, mm-hmm. that just made it stand out even more. Like this is a, a sneak mission and uh, there's Captain Archer. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Um, I know the reason it feels like it drags a bit for me. Cause you've, you know, we'll talk about what it's about later, but certainly at the end, you've got them toasting to trust. There's, you know, there's a lot sure. of back and forth about trust. Does Archer trust this guy? Does this guy trust Archer? Uh, Greylick, I mean. Um, but so much of that is the scene, or the series of scenes, not one, but the series of scenes in Greylick's house, I guess it is, right? And 
they go through a lot of back and forth there. A lot has worked out. Archer gets to the point where he trusts him enough to step outside and leave him there. He could have called somebody. He doesn't, right? Right. Um, he, Greylick has some line about seven million people. I don't intend to let that tragedy happen again. And he said, this is all in his house, right? And then he offers Archer, let me help. I will go try to find out this info. They're, they're expecting me, you know, the, the, the news indie that just arrived, the reptilian and, um, Degra. Uh, let me go talk to them and I will find out what I can. That is the culmination. That is the point where it feels like that's what Archer should do, of course. That's but when the trust just, should, have come, should have come on. And then yeah, when they go outside. But then it's just oddly dra- drags out for no reason. They go, where are they even running to? They're out and they're running. You know, yeah, what is Archer's plan bringing Greylick with him? Is, is, is he going to kill him? I, 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 don't, I'm, I don't think that's what his plan is. So what's the point? I have no idea what that entire sequence of the episode is. When they're running through the woods, the little seeker, seeker robot things come at them. They shoot them down. They end up in a cave. Uh, and then he says, okay, now you can help. I, I don't – what is that? Ten minutes of the episode, a quarter of your episode or whatever. I, I don't get it. I don't get it. What is the point there? Yeah, I felt it, the same way, Brian. Maybe not as passionately, but yes, I, I, <laughs> I noticed the same thing. Yeah, I think I think the problem – I mean, it's it, it really just reeks of this is too short, so we need to put something in there. But surely there is a better idea. You know, if they had just made it concise and it's like, oh, this is what's going to happen. You're going to go do it. Either you scatter some kind of B story that's halfway relevant throughout to add some time or you get more in depth maybe with what he has to do to – yeah. Manipulate the situation, his revelations and learning about it, or I don't know what, something. But I don't, yeah, I don't understand that either. Where they're going I don't on know. Maybe, maybe Greylick could have been like, uh, they're going to kill me because they're going to know that I helped you or something. I can't go back. And then and then they all try to leave together. And then he changes his mind. I, I got to yeah. try or something. I don't know. I'm not saying that would have been great, but it would have made a, there would have been some logical reason for that entire sequence to happen. But that's why it feels like you were saying, Adam. Uh, that it drags. To me, that's why it drags because there's. Yeah. We've already established that. We've already worked through these trust issues, and then it just keeps going for eight years. <laughs> <sighs> but you know. Yeah. Other than that, that, ten minutes, I enjoyed the episode. I mean, I agree with both of you. They probably should have come up with something a little bit more clever, but who knows why they didn't? It was interesting to me that. Um, uh, obviously, I've said many times I've only watched this show twice, and the last time was when the DVDs first came out, so that was like a decade ago, right? Um, in fact, I think it was, literally. Um, but, uh, of course, I remember generally the Season 3 Zindi arc storyline, uh, but not so much individual episodes have been kind of hit or miss on for some reason the shipment i remembered very well i remember this episode not sure exactly why (laughs) but i definitely remembered it well it's obviously Um, got its problems but it is overall at least conceptually is a good example of of how you you create a create at least a little bit of an individual story in the 
uh, in, in an arc like that for a season, you know, because well, it's, it, it's definitely relevant, but it is, yeah. there is specific things they're trying to do. And so it, yeah. it's, yeah, it's a good piece of the puzzle kind of episode. I mean, yeah, you get a lot of information. We'll talk about what it's about in a minute, but I think there is, there's something there. And I think that the character of Greylick is an interesting one and, and performed well. And his relationship with Archer is interesting. You know, and these are probably, these are, I'm sure these are all the reasons that I do remember it after all these years. Um, and that's a that's a good sign. I, I is, is is my point. Um, even if it does have these other problems that are that are significant. Yeah, I think yeah. The episode, as I was saying early on, um, you get a lot of plot points about the whole arc in this thing. I mean, it's interesting to find out that. Um, I mean, they came to this exploded planet, but it wasn't never really confirmed or not confirmed that that was a Zindi. Oh, yeah, world. we find out the history of the actual Zindi. The Zindi, species. so so yeah. that's very interesting. You get a lot of backstory, and I enjoyed that part of the um, of the episode, getting to find out more about the Zindi is kind of how Archer does. Even though we as the audience, we know more than Archer, there are certain things that we're finding out at the same time as he is So and the crew, so um, that was interesting in this episode. I like some of the B story stuff. I don't know if it was supposed to be funny, but as usual, to Paul, being the funniest person on the ship, there was a scene when um, Phlox and Trip are trying to they they want to oh they want to test fire that little Zindi hand, uh-huh. you know, and they're like and Trapal's like you have no idea what it's going to do. You don't even know if this force field or this this wall you put up if any of this stuff is even going to block it you, this is this is not sound to just fire this weapon without any idea what's going to happen I'm like trust us trust us trust us and then it sure felt like she finally says okay but let me get out of here first <laughs> <laughs> it made me laugh out loud i don't know if it was supposed to be that way but that's how I, that's how i that's how i read it oh what is this episode about gentlemen Well, it's about trust, obviously. Trusting your enemy, learning more about your enemy. That's I think that's what they're kind of trying to go here with this um, episode. That you learn about new species, even your enemies, that the people that you think are your enemies. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, Greylick has a line in there, right, about... This, maybe I'm remembering something along the lines of not all Zindi are your enemy, mm-hmm. and something like that. Yeah, situations right. are always a little more usually more complex than what you know what you think it is you know so it's, it's yeah so if you had like say an american presidential candidate who was like we should just ban everybody of a certain religion you might say but you can't just assume everybody of that religion is a terrorist they're not all our enemies right that'd be a very simplistic view of yes. perhaps a, for of a simpleton or something yeah but nobody would do that so. right you were saying steve yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 uh you know the trust. It's it's interesting too because obviously we're going down this path, and and I think we've talked before about how Archer will get on this bitter, angry mode, and it gets a little tiresome, you know. So it's nice to see a little break in that too. With so okay, you know, I'm I'm actually buying this, you know. I'm I can I'm trusting my instincts. This person, you know, is good good intent, you know, and, and he's learning something about the enemy. He's learning that it's a more complex situation. So I mean that 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 all is, that all is interesting, you know. You, and and when we obviously as this season progresses, you get more of that kind of thing, you know. But um, yeah, I got a quick question. Do you guys do you guys think that it helped this story arc that there were five different species of Zindi, or do you think that they would have just been better off keeping it simpler and just being one species across the board? 
Well, we talked about that the, the very first shot of like the first episode of the season, you know, showing us the Zindi Council immediately. Um, it always felt back then like um, the Star Wars prequels super influenced it to me, um, especially some of those those Zindi. But I liked it, and I still like the idea of this this. Multi different species, species, but it's more than an alliance, right? They they were all sentient and they all from the same planet, right? You know, it, so much of Star Trek is always that it's it's almost like you know, like what's happened in our planet. Maybe if humans weren't here, given a, another you know billion years, uh, cats would have evolved. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but now that we're here, that's not going to happen. Um, so I I like this idea. Uh, that there was a place where, well, I guess more than five, I guess six, six sentient species, you know, evolved. Um, that that's that's a cool idea, and it's unique for Star Trek. Um, so, I think they do a great job of playing playing on their distrust of one another. I mean, even in this episode, you've got the reptilian and uh, Degra. That's his name, right? Degra. Mm-hmm. You got the reptilian and Degra. You know they're they're certainly more with each other than they are um, Greylix species, but they're still butted. They still butt heads a little bit, even in this one. So there's always this kind of like built-in drama that's kind of interesting. And if I recall correctly, they're going to use that really play it up later in the season. Um, I'm not sure if I'm exactly answering your question, but I no. I like I like that that they have the multiple species, and I okay I think that it I think they took advantage of it, and it probably gave them uh, more opportunities. Then uh, denied them. Hmm. All right. So we both you both covered what it's about, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah. All right. I feel like we kind of covered this one. Uh, yeah. So probably solid for season three, but still overall, season three doesn't feel as solid as seasons one or two. But hey, we're only a quarter into the season. So let's see what happens. Uh, before we talk about our next episode, though, let's do six degrees for the shipment. Um, Adam, you went first. Do you want the title question? The title question? Yeah, the question that asked for a title of a Star Trek episode. No. Steve. Steve's better than those anyway. John Cothran Jr. plays Greylick Durr, the Zindi that Archer seems to have a hard time trusting. In Next Gen's sixth season, he played the Klingon commander who, along with humans, Romulans, and Cardassians, rapidly seek out DNA fragments to uncover an ancient humanoid's message. Name the episode. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I have been trying to, if I do a title question, I try and hint at the title in my question, mm-hmm. uh, which I have done. All right. Um, gosh. Is it something like The Chase? You are correct. It was The Chase. All right. <laughs> See, I nice work. Seek out. That was a... Okay. The Chase. That is correct. Um, Adam? Yep. In DS9's second season, he played a different Klingon in the first Mirror Universe episode of DS9 called Crossover. Which two members of DS9's primary universe crossed over? Um, 
Would have been Cisco and Jake? No. Steve? Um, you think? I know. It's harder. It's harder than you think it should be, huh? I know, because there were so many, and then it just kind of, you get bogged down with it all. Um, gosh. Man, I'm just totally blanking. It, um, geez. How about uh, Kieran Bashir? You are right. Kieran Bashir. Wow. That's a tough one. All right. Steve has two. Moving on. Twilight, Season 3, Episode 8, Production Number 308. Original air date, November 5th, 2003. Directed by Robert Duncan McNeil. Written by Michael Sussman. Music composed by Dennis McCarthy. Guest cast include Gary Graham as Ambassador Saval. Brett Rickaby as Yaren Koss and Richard Anthony Crenna as Guard. While rescuing Subcommander T'Pol from a spatial anomaly, Captain Archer is infected by subspace parasites in his cerebral cortex. His condition prevents him from forming new long-term memories, and any new memories fade away within a few hours. It soon becomes clear that Archer is not fit for duty and he is subsequently relieved of his command. T'Pol is granted field commission to captain. Unfortunately, the mission um, to save Earth fails and every other human colony is destroyed by the Zindi. The few surviving humans form a colony led by the Enterprise, which travels to the planet City Alpha 5. They're preventing you from forming new long-term memories. Long-term. You can recall events that happened before the infection, but everything after fades within a few hours. Captain, you've been in sickbay for the past three days. You last spoke to Commander Tucker about seven hours ago. He came to see you right here. Adam, did you say in your synopsis there, did you say, unfortunately, the mission to save Earth failed? Because <laughs> I, I would agree that that was unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> yes, unfortunately, yes, I did have that in there. Uh, Steve, you want to kick us off on Twilight? Alrighty. Um, yeah, I I always remember this episode because it's one of these kinds of episodes, right? You know, so it's one of these. It's kind of um, ever so often you get in Star Trek. Oh, one of those episodes. Those kind of episodes. Um, and overall, I like these kinds of episodes. Is it the is it the best of those kind of episodes? I don't know, but uh, I think it's interesting. I think it might have something to say, and it's I think it's. For sci-fi fans, it's all. I think, I think it's fun to explore possibilities with timelines and and things and so on. But the heart of it being um, the the Archer to Paul possible relationship thing um, is interesting. I, I wish somehow that would have been fleshed out a little more, or we would have learned how that developed in some fashion. But given the way this episode's constructed, I'm not sure how that would have been. Um, but overall, I like this episode. I think it's interesting. Um, it's kind of one of these classic messing with time, you know, parallel universe kind of things. And I think that's fun, you know, even if it's not perfect, you know. So Well, the, the thing it kind of adds to the season, I think, is and, – and yeah, I, of course, I know exactly what you mean. You said one of those kind of episodes, and maybe it's not the best of those kind of episodes. But it does do one cool thing. That maybe some of those other those these kind of episodes usually don't do, even the ones that are much better. Um, are we referring to like tap tapestry and the visitor? Well, and stuff like I was that? gonna. I was about to mention yesterday's Enterprise. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
yesterday, yesterday's Enterprise is one of the greatest hours of Star Trek ever made, period. And no one's going to say that Twilight is anywhere as good as that, of course. Um, but at the end of yesterday's Enterprise, I'm not sure that it, it, that it advances or you know, this, the, the show in mm-hmm. a way, other than the fact that that was really good. This episode, when it ends, nothing has changed. But I think that in a way it adds some uh, drama to the rest of the season because it gives you mm-hmm. um, here's what happens if they fail. Yeah, you know? sure. It gives you it gives the it gives their mission the stakes because um, we we saw what happened with the little weapon at the end of the previous season. Um, well, they show the big weapon in this one. That's a pretty cool scene. Uh, Earth yeah, exploded. it is really cool. Although clearly rendered at a lower resolution. <laughs> Never yeah. could see it in DVD, but on on Blu-ray, let me tell you. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I like how this episode uh, gives the whole season stakes without actually doing anything. You know, I mean, it's doing anything as far as when it ends, it's it ends the same way, exactly where it started. Not to mention, of course, what it says about Archer, the character. I mean, essentially, you know, it means oh, exactly. Without him, Earth's done. You know, I mean, that's good without Archer. He's the one. He, yeah, yeah. Kind of insulting to the rest of our. Yeah, kind of, <laughs> so it almost sounds like a knock against Paul. You know, she's captain. Which literally time. says that At the, near the end of the episode, she's like to trip. She's like, we need the whatever the warp core power so we can do this because, you know. Uh, our entire history could be different. He's the he's the chance to save humanity. <laughs> he's the key. <laughs> we suck, but you know, then that was unfortunate. <laughs> he is Drew Barrymore. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I had to remember- look real quick. I had to look and see which came out first. This or this or Fifty First Dates, because that's the one thing that this episode reminds me about. My wife said the same thing. I've never really? Because I, I was—I assume Fifty First Dates was after this, right? It was. It was. I looked and checked. Because what I not... thought, I remember watching this episode, and maybe it's just because. Let me tell you, I was nuts for Memento, but I'm positive Memento came out years before this. Yeah, yeah, and, sure, yeah, I did. Yeah, and that's what I remember thinking when Twilight aired was. They were influenced by Memento, like all of us, really, because it was so amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Fifty um, First came out in '04, so. And Memento, that was out. That was what, like 2000? Somewhere around I, that or a That one was or like something. college for us. So that, you know, which was just before, would have been just before Enterprise. So yeah, probably 99, 2000, something like that. If only we had the ability to look these things up. <laughs> <laughs> Some device that could be. Yeah. Like we're experiencing a parallel universe where yeah. no one developed these <laughs> technology. <laughs> um. Somebody's listening right now, screaming into their car radio. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, The most amazing scene in this episode, I'm sure we would all agree, is Archer killing Azindi by stabbing him with Zephyr Cochran. Yes. Hmm. That's what I saw, right? Yeah. I I had to rewind it and play it again. Like, that what just happened? I still wasn't 100% sure. But I was pretty sure that's what I saw. Archer kill Azindi by stabbing him. In the chest. In the chest with Zephyr Cochran. <laughs> There's got to be something like, <laughs> I mean, Cochran seemed a little bit more interested in, you know, um, a peaceful resolution of conflict. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh. So it might be kind of against him, but 
I guess it never, oh, no, really he never had to deal with a lizard man in his room. True. Yeah, sure. Um, but yeah, that was weird. I was thinking about like, you know, I, I like the whole, the settlements and the way that all looks and, you know, uh, archers kind of, when he goes outside and you first see it all, once to Paul tells them where they are, tells him where they are. Um, and I like their look and everything, but I was thinking about in that scene and they, they mention it later in the episode, but in that scene, when she's telling Archer what's happened, um, I was thinking, God, she does this every single day. And it's not like 51st yeah, day. Every too. single day we we find our love again. Right. <laughs> this is every single day I tell you about the destruction of your entire world. Violation <laughs> of billions and billions of your fellow humans. That's got to get you down a little. Yeah. She's a Vulcan. She can't lie. She can't like, you know, today I'm going to tell them something happy. I'm not sure I'd want to make eggs with that conversation every day. Right. You know? Seem like an eggs kind of conversation. That's somebody's <laughs> definition of hell, really. I mean, it's pretty awful. Yeah, but it, it's only awful for Archer once. Yeah, right. Yeah, I liked. Um, I liked um, Reed's goatee-ish facial hair. Uh, Archer's um, wig, maybe not so much. I think that I read it. I think it was maybe Gary Graham's or some some other like the some Vulcan's early wig or something. Hmm. But um, <laughs> the one thing I really like, Flox looks cool. Mm-hmm. He does. Flox looks really cool. I kind of think that's what Flox should always just always look like. <laughs> if, and and maybe he should have like a like a necklace that's maybe made out of gold and hangs low. Yeah. Several of them, maybe. <laughs> sure. Um. I think he, he he looked pretty cool. Uh, so I was of- at, so so Steve said something early on. He said that he, I kind of felt the same way that Steve did. I kind of kind of thought I kind of would have liked to seen a little bit more of the relationship that um, T'Pol and Archer had in this alternate timeline. But I see I see the point of the episode. What you were talking about, Brian, is that you know there that maybe wasn't the point of this episode so much as showing the consequences of it. And in a way, I mean, I guess it's kind of, it's kind of built into what she's agreed to take on. We and like we discussed, we realize yeah. that she's doing this every day. Obviously, there, you know, you're making a huge sacrifice, and it's beyond just you saved my life, you know, or I would have been in this shape if you hadn't done that. It's beyond that. So you, you kind of assume that, but it is kind of a, it's just left there, and yeah, I mean, whatever. I wasn't sure about the sequence with um. Ambassador Saval. I was a little bit like, why is he even in this? I mean, we all yeah. love him, of course, but I was a little bit like, why is he even in this episode? Um, and because if anything, the reason I'm mentioning it now is one of the things he says I think hurts that argument just a little. The argument you just made because he does say like, you know, or I didn't mean hurts. I mean helps. <laughs> That's I mean the complete opposite. What is it? Um, he does say like bring Archer back to Vulcan with you and our advanced scientists, you know, can mm-hmm. probably help him. But she doesn't choose to do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, um, she, either because she feels responsible, which like you said, um, kind of hard to imagine this level of commitment for just for that sort of responsibility, or she's got feelings for him. 
But, you know, these are choices that she's made after not a week after of being captain or going through this, but it's been like a year or more, right? Because mm-hmm. it's been, no, it's probably been way more than that because they spent several months uh, in the Expanse still trying to figure stuff out. And then I think they spend like a year limping from Earth to the SETI Alpha system. Um, right. So she's gotten to this point deciding to actually be with him after a year and a half of that. I, I guess my point there is it's not like she's waking up every day in what we think of as the Enterprise universe, uh, thinking about these feelings she has with him. These are This is something that, that develops during this year and a half of this alternate universe that doesn't ultimately end up happening, mm-hmm. um, which is part of what makes, makes it believable for me. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting they they have they have a few kind of uh, fun inside things in the Trek universe. I mean, we have uh, the Uridian from I think we saw them in DS9, the information broker race, you know, that they mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, and also the SETI Alpha system in general, you know. Yeah. So, it's fun. So, is that was, actually the SETI Alpha 5 where Khan was placed? What was the yeah. deal? Yeah. There was so I mean, it's, maybe it's good they were, you know, they got wiped out anyway because the planet was <laughs> tilted off its axis by an explosion in a hundred years anyway, mm-hmm. hundred or two hundred years. <sighs> What's this episode about? Loyalty. You know, I think we're part of it. Is that like I don't know what we call that, DePaul? Would that be called loyalty, or is that called something more? How? What did we kind of figure? I kind of think love. give me a kiss it's just so dreamy how I have to explain the destruction of his home world every morning and it's just I see his eyes and I don't know whatever (laughs) what's it about yeah um... see I think this is kind of why um what do you well I I kind of I want you guys you felt like it was about something when we first started talking about Twilight. But that was actually what I was thinking about was when, 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 like Steve, you say it's one of those kind of episodes. These, and we like these kind of things, but it's not one of the better ones. And I think one of the reasons maybe it's not one of the better ones is because it isn't about enough or isn't, isn't asking strong enough, focused enough questions, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But. I'm cutting you guys off before you tell me I'm wrong. Well, I mean, because, think it's about. well, maybe because, I mean, it doesn't really, the episode doesn't move the characters forward at all. So there's nothing in the development of the character. We learned something about the characters in this episode throughout the years, but um, I think what you were also talking about, Brian, you know, this, this episode gives us um, the consequences. Mm-hmm. It shows us that, you know, what's at stake more, puts it in more in tune for us. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it does good things and it's entertaining and I enjoy it. But I think the reason it can't go into the territory of those kind of episodes and they're really saying one thing is because it's it's got so much to do. You got you got this kind of a relatively complex plot point to deal with, and then the this alternate history and explaining that, and then what are we trying to do here to help Archer? And where you know, there's all these different things to squeeze in. So how do we talk about whatever it is single point we want to talk about it, whether it's um, true love, friendship, sacrifice, whatever. I mean, all those things are things we could focus on. Um, 
but we can't focus on a single thing. See, that's what I'm saying. I think that's I think they should have thinned the episode out and then focused on something like that. Mm-hmm. We talk about uh, another one of those kind of episodes that we all, of course, love, The Visitor. You know, depending on the day of the week, The Visitor can be my favorite episode of Star Trek, period. That episode is one of these kind of episodes, these time-hopping episodes and um, alternate university episodes that we all like. But at the end of the day, what gives you goosebumps when you just think about that freaking episode is because it's this this story between a, a father and his son. Yeah. You know, sure. and, and a son who doesn't want can't let his father go and the father who wants him to let him go so that he can get on his, with his life. It's incredible and it's amazing, and that's what it's really about, and that's where its focus is. And every single time it jumps in the story, that's what it's focused on—that story, and it never lets it go, you know. And here, we have a little yeah, bit of that. We have this, a little about that, yeah. and I think that that's—I think—I think if they thinned it out, you're, yeah, it's right. You're right that they had a lot of crap to do in this episode, but they didn't need to do all that stuff. Right. I think they could have thinned some of it out, you know, and. Um, if they'd focused, for example, on this to Paul um, Archer, you know, and she's never, you know, she never lets him go, or she's never, she never gives up on him, you know, that that's where you you elevate it from good to great. And I think that there was an there's an idea in this episode that could have been great, and it never it never hits it. And I think this is the reason why, because it's not focused enough on really being about something. I almost wonder, this just now occurred to me actually about a kind of an alternate way of telling it and cutting out some of the stuff, some of the techie stuff as it went. But what if you instead saw several days, you know, like early on you saw several days of what she had to do, just little blurbs of it, you know, and saw how each day might be a little different, um, how, um, you know, things you didn't recover until you get to that one day that you're going to go you know, try to fix this problem or whatever, and just to see little bits of those days in different circumstances or something. Maybe that would have lent something more, you know, to the progression of why she's, if she's indeed in love with him. You mean like the scene on the planet Planet. at at the colony when she's telling him, instead of seeing only just one afternoon or one morning, rather, that she's talking to him, we see several days. So it's a little bit more from her point of view and less from his. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It certainly would have achieved a very different effect, and you're right that it would have made it feel more like, um, you know, uh, her 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 feelings would have been, it would have focused on her her feelings and and thoughts more, and and there would have been a little bit more possibility for, um, her relationship with him. Could have stressed more about, uh, you know, the the pain of mm-hmm. of telling him this story every day. Yeah. But yeah, otherwise I don't I can't focus in on one thing this is about because of all that going on that we talked about. Yeah. All right, so a good episode that that wanted to be great. But yeah. it's still good. And yeah. and fun to watch. I, I love the opening the the teaser. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. Archer is like, you know, he goes up there, he's got a guard on his room and 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 he's we're we the audience are just as confused as he is. And he goes up there, and and T'Pol is is wearing a you know a Starfleet uniform, and we see the Earth destroyed. I mean, it's like that's a hell of a teaser. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Great teaser. All right, uh, Steve has two. Adam has none. Zero. Unfortunately, nobody. This episode is is not a six, six degrees type episode because. Nobody comes back. Uh, first-time listeners, 
Uh, we ask questions about recurring performers and other other roles they played, and that didn't happen in this episode. By the way, this made, made me think about. Uh, so what I've done is just made generic trivia questions, but it made me think about you know, we get to start we start the original series in about six months, and I don't know what I'm going to do there because I don't you know it's very rare that I ask a question. Oh look, this person was in the original series, you know, uh, next gen DS9 Voyager Enterprise. These were all made by a lot of the same people in the span of eighteen, seventeen years, whatever. So that's part of the genesis of that whole concept of these six degrees questions. I don't think I'm going to be able to do that with the original series. Yeah, it's a different thing. Yeah, different ball game. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I like having a, you know, a theme or something other than just generic trivia. So if any of our listeners have any ideas, let me know. Okay. Um, um, uh, I guess it doesn't really matter who goes first since this one, these are just generic trivia questions. Um, Steve, do you want the movie history question or the Star Trek history question? Let's do Star Trek history. Adam, Richard Anthony Crenna plays the guard stationed outside Archer's quarters. Name the character his father was best known for playing three times in the 1980s. And yes, he was named after his father. Are you thinking, Adam? Oh, you're. I thought Steve. I thought you asked Steve this question. No, Steve doesn't it. want the movie question. He wants oh, the, the movie question. question. Okay. You sorry. get the movie history. You get the movie <laughs> history question. Yeah. Um. Sorry, I was thinking. No, I. Can you repeat the question? Sure. Richard Anthony Crenna plays the guard stationed outside Archer's quarters. Name the character his father was best known for playing three times in the 1980s. He was named after his father. Um. Dude, I have no idea. I'm sorry. <laughs> I wasted everybody's time there. Go for it, Steve. Okay. Um, hmm. I don't know. I'm the only person that likes 80s movies. <laughs> Richard Brenna <laughs> played Colonel Sam Troutman in all the Rambo movies. First Blood, First Blood Part 2. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. And Rambo 3. Richard Richard Brenna. Yeah. like right. a lot. Although my favorite Richard Crenner role is probably not the Rambo movies, although I do love him in those movies, and First Blood is in my top ten favorite movies of all time. My favorite Richard Crenner role, just for the way he performed the character and stuff, was probably Sand Pebbles. Hmm. From, uh, I believe that was a Robert Wise movie, director of the first Star Trek film. Uh, Steve, mm-hmm. the human colony is stationed on... Oh, I should have given this the other way around since Adam damn near answered the question. <laughs> That doesn't happen very often, but you do. Uh, but, but, but Steve, uh, the human colony is stationed on City Alpha 5. City Alpha 5 is destroyed in 100 years or so. How will this happen? Um, yeah, yeah. What was the story? It was something like... Uh, um, it was thrown off its axis somehow. Some kind of... I don't know. I don't know an asteroid hit it? I don't remember. Nope. Adam? Doesn't City Alpha 4 explode or City Alpha 3 explodes and knocks it off its axis? Yes, uh, I'll give it to you. It's actually City Alpha 6 explodes. Okay. But but that's that's the that's the right idea. The, the explosion of the neighboring planet, yes. Because okay. <clears throat> remember, 
Khan screams to Chekhov, this is City Alpha, City Alpha 5. 5. Yes. Chekhov and Paul Winfield's character, what's it, Captain Tyrell, think that that's City Alpha 6. Okay. Moving on. Uh, well, let's see. So nobody got in my generic questions, which I guess... No, no, I gave that one to you. Okay, Steve has two, Adam has one. Moving on. North Star, Season 3, Episode 9, Production Number 309. Original air date, November 12th, 2003. Directed by David Strayton, written by David A. Goodman, music composed by Jay Chataway. Guest cast include Emily Bertle as Bethany, Glenn Morshore as McReady, and James Parks as Deputy Binnings. Enterprise discovers a planet inhabited by humans and aliens who are living in the fashion of the 1860s American frontier. Captain Archer, Commander Tucker, and Subcommander DePaul investigate on the surface in period costume on one of the towns to observe the humans and aliens firsthand. Smith wrote the first laws that kept the Skagarns from going to school, owning property, even marrying. So they could never enslave the humans again. That's how they justified it. North Star. You know, I, I um, of course I remember this episode very well. Uh, this one really does seem like a diversion. They could have done this episode in any of the seasons. The whole Zindi arc is, I mean, there's really nothing holding uh, this episode to season three. Um, but I think one of the things I like, I enjoy about this episode, they really go out of their way to do I mean this is very stylistically different for Enterprise yeah um, there's so many things I mean I was trying I was like there were so many things that I was like I had to pause the episode because I couldn't take notes fast enough I, uh, you know uh, you never see Enterprise do in, in, in any episode of Star Trek go this far like with uh, color grade I, uh-huh. I don't know if that was an actual like skip bleach process but it looked like that kind of effect you know um you really had like that sun blown out and it was kind of that cast to it. Um, no saturation. Um, there was like, yeah, of course there were, there were bits in the music that had little Western bits, but there was a spot, I think it was when she was breaking him out of, when, when Archer was breaking the teacher out of jail, I think there was like an electric guitar in the music. And then right after they got out of the jail, there was a wipe transition, you know, like, mm-hmm. Did you guys see that? Yeah. That, I, once, I like right? to wind it and double check it. Oh, there was more than one. I only saw the one. But I had to like double check it because I'm like, that is crazy. You don't, mm-hmm. you just, I don't ever remember seeing that in Star Trek. Um, I mean, that's a, that's a Star Wars thing, not a Star Trek thing. <laughs> um, so, you know, there was just, and the list goes on, but I was up there. You know, so there was so many little things that, that were different that made it, kind of fun to watch in the middle of watching a lot a lot of Star Trek especially Enterprise episodes um, so you know as episodes go I think this one is fine uh, I think that it that it works I think it's it's fine slash good it's like leaning toward good it's not leaning toward bad mm-hmm. um, I like I like some of the performers I, I've always loved uh, Glenn Morshauer um Seen him in lots of things. The wig he is wearing, he's, he plays a sheriff. That's that's not very, you know. I just, I, I, I'm one of those people that can never tell when somebody's wearing a wig. I, I, 
William Shatner still looks like real hair to me. I don't know. But when you spend your whole life seeing the guy act in a million kajillion things and he's never had hair. <laughs> like if Patrick Stewart yeah. was in a movie and he, and he had hair, I'd be like, no, nope. Um, so more shower, the sheriff having that, that wig is, is, I can know it's a wig and it feels weird just because he doesn't, he's a guy who's not supposed to have hair, you know? Um, uh, <laughs> but I like him. I, I like him a lot. I think he's an interesting actor. He's very um, kind of reserved, you know. He's got a really cool voice. Um, and then the, James Parks, who played the deputy, uh, I've certainly seen him in lots of stuff, and I think he's just kind of perfectly cast, um, very memorable. Um, even the girl who played the the t-shirt, I don't really know what else she's been in, but the little the little that she had to do, I thought she was... She was good, you know. She was endearing, but she was still strong. Um, I liked her. You know, what's funny is uh, that that particular actress. So, just like an hour ago, I, uh, my wife and I watched this American Crime TV series that's on, and so we recorded mm-hmm. episodes of that. And there was a character for the first time it appeared, and I said, "She looks so familiar. Where have I seen her recently?" <laughs> and then, as soon as we started talking about these, and I, all the faces popped in my head, you know, it's like, "Oh, I bet that's it." And I looked it up real quick, and that's her. Yeah, but that's something I know for sure <laughs> she was in. Yeah. Well, I'm glad she's still working. Yeah. <laughs> she was, she is like, she was born in 75. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I saw that. So she was pretty young here, actually, not even 30. Um, uh, and then, of course, it's hard not to enjoy something that's so clearly um, referencing the original series. I mean, not even, yeah. it's not that it's influenced. I mean, they were trying to do an homage, you know, uh, to the original series. And, you know, I like it. If, they, if they're going to do something like this, I want it to be... I haven't watched some of those original series episodes in a while, but my memory of them is, like, sometimes they don't even explain it. They're just, they, like, give up trying. Like, yeah. <laughs> this, so, and it's, and it's not Earth. Let's just do it. You know, <laughs> yeah. uh, which maybe doesn't hold up so well, but here, you know, it's a pretty good, it's a pretty good explanation, and uh, it does seem like they're trying to ask some questions. You know, we'll get, we can get into that later, but um, I didn't quite pick up on uh, the Skagarans being like Native Americans exactly. But, you know, I saw some analyses that, that seemed to imply that. Um, but either way, you know, it's still some interesting questions, you know, as far as the, these Gagarians were, they, they, they enslaved the humans and then the humans overthrew them. Um, at what point is it kind of, at what point are they going too, too far? And at what point do you have to, you know, try and move on from all of that? Um those are interesting questions. Uh, a question, a very Star Trek kind of question that that I don't know that this episode asks, but I found myself asking was, it seems to me this episode is um, is has the opportunity for a unique interpretation of the Prime Directive, which I know we don't really have yet. But um, on one hand, I could see the argument that Archer... It's that it's weird that 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 he would interfere so immediately and so quickly without thinking about it. 
but on the other hand, they are humans that we're taking, at least some of them, you know, but it's, but we're still, they're obviously, they don't have any kind of warp ability or anything like that, but they have some sense of, of future tech, um, because, you know, aliens in a spaceship flew them to another planet. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. They're, this it's just it's an interesting episode. It's an episode that that makes me think about a lot of different things. And as I'm doing that, the episode's flying by, and then it's over. You know, um, you know, if I wanted to be nitpicky, I think the firefight at the end's mostly boring. Although it's a really cool squib when Archer gets shot. Mm-hmm. Um, but mostly it's just shot somebody shooting, shot of somebody shooting. The stunt actor falling out of the window that I've seen eight hundred thousand times. Mm-hmm. Fine, you know, but you know, it doesn't last that long. Fine. Um, so this is an episode that I think it would be easy to dismiss or not like or forget, uh, but I've never felt that way. I, th- I think this one works in a way that, say, uh, the Seven Samurai one from the previous season, I don't know what it's called, but in a way that that one didn't work to me um because that one maybe you know it had lots of it had lots of problems but it was such a such a flat interpretation of the seven samurai magnificent seven bugs life story as opposed to here where it's more like an homage you know Mm -hmm. um and they they use that as a jumping off point to find you know to ask like real questions and to try and do an, an actual story that's a little bit different um, well, that's weird. I feel like I just said it my entire piece about North Star, start to finish. You had a lot to say about North Star. Yeah. Uh, a, 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 a fine bordering on good episode that I, that I enjoy watching. Um, I, yeah, I found, I think I found myself liking it more than I remembered it. And I was actually almost like scared to watch. You know, it's one. You know, when you yeah. watch, when you see the teaser, and I saw that, you know, the horses and and the cowboys, and I'm like, oh no, because I couldn't quite remember it. Right. Yeah, like, is this going to be good or not? Because you know, sometimes it's really hit or miss when you do these types of episodes. I think what came to mind is like um, the episode with Worf and Troy when they're stuck on the holodeck. Even though that's a funny episode, I was like, it's, it's still not. A, what's that? Fistful of Datas? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I like Fistful of Datas, but it's a pretty cheesy episode. So, yeah. I, um, um, yeah, they didn't really go any, there was not any real cheese in this episode. It was actually kind of a serious episode. And I think I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would when I first started watching it. I liked it. Yeah, I liked it more than I thought I would too. I remember what it was. And I was like, oh boy. But yeah, I have to say something funny. <laughs> so, at the beginning of, so I, I mentioned before that my wife's watching all of these with me because we started it. And <laughs> so, kind of back to what you said earlier about not explaining it. And obviously, in this one, they do explain it. This isn't like a Spectre <laughs> of the Gun original series thing. It's kind of like, what on earth's going on? But um, the explaining thing. But so my wife, as I may have mentioned, she's she's pregnant and getting in the wrong mood about something. <laughs> it's, it's around the top. I wish I would have recorded it because I'm not going to quote it exactly, but it was just kind of like five seconds in, it was kind of like, what's going on here? This is, this, this is the Wild West. This is a show about space. <laughs> 
<laughs> she gonna watch? She gonna watch the original series with you? I don't know. We'll see. Sounds <laughs> like the person who wrote this episode is an a hole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty. Yeah, they hang that guy. It's kind of um pretty horrific. You know, we got two really gruesome death scenes in these three episodes. We were talking about the the Zephyr and Cochran in the chest, and then you get actually the shaken feet from being hung. So two gruesome oh, deaths. Yeah. So they're riding off. Yeah. Hmm. I liked um, Trip and Paul hopping on that horse. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty funny. Even I don't know, I'm not sure it was supposed to be that funny, but it was pretty funny to me. <laughs> yeah. He tries to get him going or anything. Uh, so uh, real quick, did did you guys think at all about Prime Directive kind of stuff? Or was I it did a little bit? Yeah, you know? I did a little bit too. I mean, I don't know. I mean, this is obviously pretty unusual first off there is no prime directive yet second they're human i mean you know there's a lot going on i mean it's it, it'd be definitely a discussion you know where this falls in that prime directive. how do you how do you think picard would handle it brian send wesley as an ambassador <laughs> <laughs> you know I, I like how i do really like though um archer's solution because i don't think it's what i would have you know if you just played me the episode up until right near the end right before the shuttle pod lands and said, what's the best thing for Archer to do? I don't know that I would have thought of doing what he did, but seeing what he did, I think was the best choice. Um, so going down there, even though we can't take you with us, um, but here is the situation with earth, you know, and leaving them all that data, like that last shot of her, of the teacher teaching mm-hmm. kids and, and she's got a little pad there. You know, who wants to see a picture of the Wright brothers mm-hmm. 30 years after, you know, humans were uh, kidnapped from Earth? Um, so that's, that's, that's actually a cool little, a cool way to do it. Kind of a, kind of a cool compromise, I guess, between we're going to uproot you and send you back to where you were kidnapped from, which is not their home anymore either. Um, but we're also not just going to leave you abandoned out here. Um, and you can also see how by giving them just that little bit of information about look how humans were able to overcome certain things um, and you're not alone in the universe um, how maybe that will be enough to help humans forge some new um, um, society going forward with the Skagarans yeah What's this episode about? Well, you clearly have, you know, the involvement of humanity past these, you know, Archer talks about how they've gotten past, you just mentioned that before, just two seconds ago, how human civilizations advanced, and here's how it was before, and, you know, trying to bridge that gap of every life kind of matters type of thing. I think that, you know, at the center of the whole thing is this, you know, and it's kind of turning something on its head. We don't see this quite in this way very often, but, you know, the the oppressed become the oppressors and the, the at some point you've got you've to let it go. You know, ethically, sooner or later you've got to let it go. And, and, um, and, it's, and it's from this interesting perspective of where would humanity, you know, say this happened to humanity – and we leave them, and where where do they where do they take it at some point? But I think it's that kind of thing. I don't know if forgiveness is the right word. It's it's more about the um, 
the you know the the right thing to do and sooner or later you realize that what are we arguing about this you know this happened people long ago have fought this war you know it's not about the people here us. the people here today don't have anything to do right, with it right right yeah I, there was an, a moment um when archer asks the sheriff you know where san francisco is and there was for, for a split second i thought well of course somebody from the say 1880s knew San Francisco, even if they never went there, they would have known it. But then I had to remind myself, he's not from the 1880s. Yeah. Yeah. That was, you know, two or 300 years earlier. Um, so for him to say coastal, West Coast or something, you know, that, uh, that means that there was some level of passed down um, education education, and, and, and trying to hold on to this culture that that they thought defined them. You know, I thought there was a, there was some interesting things in that sense, but some some of the stuff you guys were just saying was was kind of making me think about that. You know, so it is kind of a there there is a point when you ha- yeah when you have to let go and and I don't know when that is, but it seems like they've they've passed it here. Mm-hmm. Let's do six degrees for North Star. Steve has two. Adam has one. Um, let's see. Steve, super fast. Pick a number between one and ten. Five. You're first. Glenn Morshower plays Sheriff McCready, the sheriff that has some lively hair. I can't let his hair go, folks. I just can't do it. Hmm. He played an av. By the way, no. Okay. Yeah. Okay. He played a navigator early in the film Star Trek Generations on what Enterprise? Um, the B. You're correct. Adam, mm-hmm. James Parks plays Deputy Bennings, or should we call him Deputy Jerkface? He played Val in Voyager's third season in the episode The Shoot. What was The Shoot? Oh, was that where prisoners came down from? Yeah. Through The yeah, Shoot? That's how yeah. they got delivered to the little prison there. Yeah. Yes. So, um... Three, three to three. two. Yeah. Steve takes it for the day, but it was close. All right. I think, uh, by the way, for film aficionados, James Parks, Deputy Bennings, his father is Mark, Michael Parks. I like him. I, actually, I worked on a movie that he was in once, actually. Hmm. Nice. Uh, he was a very nice guy. Okay. Before we let you go, fine audience... Uh, guys, I wanted to very quickly just talk just for a minute. So Brian Fuller was announced. It was announced that Brian Fuller is going to be the showrunner for this new mystery Star Trek show. If you don't know who Brian Fuller is, he got his start really on Star Trek. He was on Voyager. I think he, I think of him as the Voyager guy, but I'm pretty sure he wrote, at least wrote a couple episodes of DS9. He did something on DS9. I think so, yeah. But he was the Voyager guy, you know. He was like he—he he was a writer for most of the show, and he and he worked his way up to be like, you know, one of the producers on it. Um, and he's gone on to have a very successful career, uh, creating and producing other shows. I'm sure there's more, but the ones that I remember, um, was that Pushing Up Daisies? I think is what it was called, something to that effect. And uh, Hannibal being a more recent one. Um, and there's some others, but uh, his stuff has always been a little bit. I thought of him as kind of the quirky guy, um, 
but I've always liked his stuff. And even when I, even a couple of times, maybe I didn't like it. Uh, I found it very interesting and different from the rest of the stuff that was out there, you know, and, and I can't think of anybody that I would have been more like, wow, cool about than Brian Fuller is going to be the showrunner. You know, um, yeah, there's still, we still know nothing about the show. We don't even know what timeline is going to be in. Um, but, you know, he's a guy that's, that's obviously a Star Trek fan. He was a Star Trek fan, even as a kid. He got his start on Star Trek. He was successful with it. He's, you know, had his, uh, honed his chops with lots of other successful shows. Um, so I think it's I think it's great, and put it this way, I'm certain there are a lot of people they could have announced that I would have been like, what? That I would have been so upset, mm-hmm. you know? But no, for Brian with Brian Fuller, I'm excited, and it does seem like I don't know. It seems like the internet's been happy about it, which <laughs> never happens. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, um. It seems like a logical choice. Well, so, well yeah. So what do you, what would you, Adam, you said you hadn't heard this, right? No, I hadn't heard about it yet. Are you familiar with uh, Fuller? Um, vaguely. It's been a while since I've watched Voyager, so, you know, I'm seeing all the credits and stuff like that, so I'm vaguely, vaguely familiar. But now he sounds, sounds like a good decision. Steve, what did you think when you first read it? Yeah, I, 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 I agree that that's, that's a positive thing you know i mean there's really i mean there's no one they could have announced i don't think that would made me like jump for joy or something like that i I, you know i don't think i don't know what they would have could have said but there certainly would have been scott bacula (laughs) (laughs) there would have been a lot of uh, a lot of choices that have been like totally random or possibly negative but someone who's got that background in track and stuff and who also has you know, created his own shows and has that kind of thing. I mean, it's, it seems to make a lot of sense. So I'm optimistic. Yeah. So, hey, what's the production? Is Bad Robot involved in this? Is JJ involved in this at all? I'm sorry. This question's been answered before, but... I think so. You do think so or no? Don't I do think not. So. I do not think so. Okay. I don't think I've heard anything about Bad Robot on this. Yeah, which is, you know... Bad Robot has their deal with Paramount. Paramount does Star Trek films, not not shows. CBS is making the show. CBS does okay. Star Trek TV. So I don't think so. You know, um, you know their deal. I think is with. I don't even think it's with. You know, I know Ortsy and Kurtzman have a have a company. I don't correct me if somebody write in and correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think CBS's deal is with Ortsy and Kurtzman's company. Something about paper. Paper products, or I don't remember what it's called. I'm pretty sure their deal is just with Kurtzman. Um, so, like, Kurtzman will be like an executive producer, mm-hmm. and then uh, Brian Fuller is going to be the actual. Uh, so, which, which I, if you had to, if you had to bet, Brian, which way do you think they'd go? Prime Universe, or they'll just ignore I, JJ's well, you know, universe? Kurtzman, it made you, it made you think it was going to be JJ verse, but uh, now that Fuller's on there, it, you know, it could go back the other way. So. Uh, of course, I'm going to be a lot more excited if it's the Prime Universe and not, not JJ's timeline, uh, because that's you know I'll save the long explanation there. But that's what we're invested in. I know it'd be a lot more difficult because every ting- every single time you you mention a story idea, somebody's going to say the Simpsons did it. You know, <laughs> every time you mention a story idea, somebody's going to say Voyager did it or Enterprise did it. Or the same timeline, you can't do it because of this or that. 
So I know it'd be harder, but I can't help it. That's what I want. But, you know, we'll see. Uh, so, you know, exciting. Less than a year away. The one other thing I wanted to mention, uh, I, I only read the first chapter, because I but it just came out yesterday. I got Shatner has a new book just called Leonard, and it's I think it's called Leonard, My 50-Year Friendship with a Remarkable Man, I think is the title. So it's just Shatner talking about his friendship with Nimoy. Um, and I, it came out yesterday. I read the first chapter. You know, it's, it's first person. It's, it's, it was, it was cool. And I'm, I'm looking forward to reading more. I, I would have read more, but I was, it was so late by the time I could start reading it. I was really tired, but I was like, ah, oh, I wish I wasn't falling asleep because I want to keep reading this. Hmm. So, uh, if that sounds interesting to you, I think so far from what I've from the chapter I've read, it feels like it's going to be exactly what I expected and hoped it would be. So if it sounds like that would be an interesting book to you, then you'd probably like it. And I think it's going to be a quick read. The the, the font is very large and it's only a couple hundred pages. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. Well, Chandler's books, I mean, yeah, his biography, they're pretty easy reads. Yeah, I I read I, he, he there was a movie memories and then. What was the one that was just about the show? I think I mean, that was just Star Trek, Trek Memories and Star, Star Trek, Trek Memories, Memories, I think. But. Star Trek Memories, Star Trek Memories. I, I read both of those, but honestly, that was, what were those, like 20 years ago that he wrote yeah, those? Something like that. So, and I only read them the one time. Uh, so I I vaguely remember them, but uh, I should probably reread those one of these days. Anyway, uh, I'm sure this episode is massively going over. Um, <laughs> so some good discussions today, gentlemen. Thank good you. show, good show. Yeah, thanks for listening, guys. A really good show. Uh, we're going to come back in two weeks and discuss the next three episodes of Enterprise. And until then, you can send us an email: trekcompanion at gmail dot com. Follow us on Facebook: facebook dot com slash trekcompanion. I haven't posted anything in there in a while. That's not a very good sell to get you to do it, is it? Uh, Twitter uh, at trekcompanion. We've been a little bit more active there, maybe slightly. <laughs> um, And until next time, please take it easy. Bye, guys. See ya. Stefan, I passed it.